0: Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message.
1: On your way in today, you received a Connect card. See, today is Team Teaching Weekend. What we want you to do in a team teaching weekend is you're going to have the opportunity to hear from five different communicators. The cool thing is on that connect card you received is actually a section for notes. It gives you the ability to stay engaged with the message, to lean in, to take notes, and then one day you may need those later on in life. It also gives you the ability to talk through next steps and let us know how we can be praying for you. So today, as you're listening to these five communicators teach, what I want you to do is I want you to lean in and celebrate within them. If they say a good point, you say Amen. If they tell a funny joke, you laugh. If they tell a joke that's not funny, I need you to laugh anyways. We do these weekends here at Propel Church because we are passionate about helping people grow in their ability to communicate the gospel. Because we believe that the more people who can effectively teach other people about Jesus, the more light shines in dark places. Now church, won't you help me put your hands together for our first communicator this morning on Teen Teaching Weekend. Come on, let's give it up.
2: Good morning, everybody. My name is Hayden Carroll. I have the honor of being one half of the guest experience team coordinator here at Propel Church. My amazing wife, Whitney, is the other half of it, and for anyone who doesn't know, we have a beautiful daughter named McKenna who already has me wrapped around her finger, and I don't mind admitting it. Like, there's nothing anybody can do about it. Like, that's going to be daddy's little girl, and I, I love it. But I get to start the, start the show today, so with that, we're going to jump right in and say that this year, God has taught me about pruning. It's, it's tough. You see, in John fifteen two, it says that every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch in me that produces fruit so it will produce more fruit. Yep. You see, for me, it all started when a friend of mine asked me what I thought was holding me back from going closer to God. For me, it was alcohol. I'm not saying that drinking is a bad thing and that you shouldn't do it, but there were times when me and Whitney would go to Food line on Sunday. I'd buy a case of beer. I'd open the refrigerator on Wednesday, and there'd be none left. And I'd joke, I'd be like, dang baby, how many did you drink? And she'd say zero. At that, we can all agree that alcohol was not producing fruit in my life. So it was an easy decision for me. And on New Year's Day, I'll be celebrating six months sober. (laughs) But if if we look at the second part of the verse, it says that he prunes every branch in me that produces fruit so it will produce more fruit. See, not everything has to be removed. Some things need to be trimmed up and shaped so you can grow better. And it's tough because a lot of the things God comes after are things that you don't want him touching. For me, the last several months, he's been coming after my competitiveness. With that being said, I want to say, hello, I'm Hayden Carroll, and I'm way more competitive than anybody in this room. I don't care. Like whether it is, whether it is fantasy football, whether it is rock, paper, scissors, or family game night. Y'all, I'm the family member that that has no problem flipping the Monopoly board and walking out of the house. I won't think twice about it. I'm gone. Back in October, I had the opportunity to go down to the art conference in Charleston. And on the way down, it was myself, Pastor Nick, Pastor Matt, and Noah Black in the car together. Well, Pastor Matt brought Mario Kart, and we started trash talking. And I just want everybody in here to know, if you ever wanna race me in Mario Kart, feel free. Come on, I I don't mind. But we got trash talking, and I told him, look I'll show mercy to no one. I'm like, I don't care. As a matter of fact, if you ever want your kids to lose, send them to me. I got no problem beating a kid and seeing them cry. <laughs> don't matter to me one bit. I'm telling you. They, 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 they know. But we get down to the art conference, and John Maxwell is there, who's an amazing speaker. He is amazing. Well, he gets up on stage, and I can't make it up. The third sentence out of his mouth is, you can't be a good father and be competitive with other people. I look over and Pastor Nick is doing this. (laughs) and I I was speechless and I, I, I was for a long time. You see, I didn't and I still don't feel like being competitive is a bad thing. I think competition is very healthy and it wasn't until I started reading this book called The Way to Win by Jeff Little that I was able to shine some light on what John Maxwell had said. In the book it says, our competition is not with our neighbors, our coworkers, our siblings, our parents, or anyone else. Our competition is with our own selfish nature, our fear, our pride, and anything else that contributes to our unwillingness to become the person God created us to be. See, after reading this, I realized that my competitiveness didn't need to be removed. It needed to be reshaped. By pruning my competitiveness against flesh and blood, God showed me that I'm able to compete against myself to be a better version of me. Which means I don't need to beat you. I need to beat who I was yesterday. This drives me to make better choices, like reading my Bible more, getting closer to God, praying more, talking to him daily, not telling the person in front of me going 35 and 55 how I really feel about him at the time. <laughs> I, I will say that it is tough. Like, there's some days that that person finds out exactly where they need to go, but it's a, it's a process. I'm aiming for progress, not perfection. Yes. Now, I sit in these seats almost every Sunday, so I know that while I've been up and telling my story, the Holy Spirit's been poking somebody in here. And telling them what they need to get rid of. If you're like me, it's probably more like a slap. Like, just wake up and do this. But what if today's the day that we lean into it and start listening? So, for everybody in here, please write this down. What is God trying to remove from my life? What is God trying to prune in my life? I, I want you to answer these questions, and I want you to be very honest with yourself. You see, for me, real life change didn't start until I was honest with myself and realized. God is trying to remove things and prune things in my life so I can be more fruitful. I promise you, God is smarter than you are, no matter what you think. And if you give him access to shape up your life, you can be even more fruitful as well. Thank you.
3: Yeah, give it up for Hayden. That was awesome. Well, good morning. All of you look great today, this day after Christmas. And how many of you are wearing Christmas clothes, new Christmas clothes? Yeah, right here. I got me a new jacket for Christmas, so I said, what better way to wear it than today when I'm teaching? So my name is Brittany Shirock, and I have the privilege to be married to Pastor Matt Shirock down here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I also serve on the kids team here at Propel. Yeah, love kids. Um, And I also just want to take a second to thank Pastor Nick and Tori for this opportunity to get up here and teach this morning. super grateful for you guys and everything that you do for us. So this year, God has taught me how to be more grateful. Do you ever just feel like it's never enough? You get a new car, you want a newer, bigger car. You get a new house, you want a newer, bigger house. You get eight-piece chicken wing, well, you should have got 12. (laughs) I believe we are consumed because we are always buying to get the next best thing or buying just because somebody else has it. And the difficult circumstance we're in has us dreaming of being someone else. But that's not where God wants us. God wants us to be grateful, full of gratitude. So my husband and I actually did a devotion together back in November called 21 Days to Cultivate a Grateful Heart. And studies show it takes 21 days to create a new habit. So whenever we started that devotion, I said to myself, I feel like I'm a pretty grateful person for the things that I have and thanking God for them. And I started diving into that devotion, and I realized I'm not as grateful as I should be in thanking God for the things that I have. We should be more grateful for what he has given us. And did you know that practicing gratitude actually increases dopamine in your brain? And dopamine is that chemical reaction that our brain produces in response to what we do. So it's basically that feel-good chemical that we just keep wanting more of and i believe god wants us to cultivate a grateful heart. And cultivate means to foster the growth of something to improve by labor, care or study. And how do we do that? So let's go to the text. I love what 1st Chronicles 16:8 says. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. So i love what this scripture says because it says give thanks So we're thanking God for all of the things and proclaiming his greatness. We're not gonna dwell on the bad and we're gonna quit our own thinking and make a shift. So the first point I have for you is gratitude shifts our focus. So gratitude is a condition of the heart. It's our greatest weapon against entitlement and complacency. And statistics show an attitude of gratitude can pave the way for better health, deeper relationships and increased productivity. So don't complain what you don't have, but focus on what you do have. So my husband and I actually just bought a new car over the summer, and so did my parents. And I started to complain that our car didn't have a heated steering wheel like their car did. <laughs> and in the middle of that complaining, I realized I should be grateful that we do have a car, to be more grateful for that clean running water or that plush toilet paper that most people don't have. <laughs> and those are the things that we take for granted, and we just forget to thank God for them. So First Thessalonians 5, 16, verse chapter 5, 16 through 18 says, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And the second point I have is praise God in the middle of your storm. We just get so lost and wrapped up in the world and our day-to-day activities. We just forget to thank God in the middle for the small things. We just forget that he's in the middle of everything. So the major part of maturing as a Christian is discovering how to be grateful for the smallest things. In the middle of our biggest battle, we did face opportunities to remember God's faithfulness in the hard things every day. As we're learning to shift from selfishness and indifference to gratitude, we can begin to see everything differently. It takes a purposeful heart to see God and recognize his handiwork. And as we shift our focus from what's not, we can better see what is. He is there in the middle of the hard thing you're walking through right now. You just have to be looking for him. And when you see him, shift your focus. God is faithful to use the difficult things we walk through in life to teach us about his nature, lead us to his truth, and protect us from the enemy everything we do should be a result of our gratitude for what god has done for us
4: well good morning everyone my name is courtney jacobs and i have the privilege of also serving alongside Brittany here at the um kids team at propel so that deserves some claps (laughs) I also am a wife to the pretty awesome bass player here on on the worship team, and I'm a mother to two beautiful children, and I work full-time. Some of my other titles include chauffeur, chef, waitress, maid, referee, and I am a nurse also. (laughs) Sometimes life gets crazy, and finding that perfect balance seems like an impossible task. We can prepare all we want, but sometimes that just isn't enough, and we're either stretched too thin or bending to our breaking point. Between work, meetings, laundry, games, practice, and who even has time to cook a meal anymore? (laughs) Stress creeps in, and before you know it, begins to wreak havoc on us and our families. One thing that God has shown me over and over again this year is that stress does not And will not rule over my life this morning I want to share with you a couple of reminders for when you feel like you're getting to that breaking point my first point is God is the ultimate provider Philippians 4 6 says don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done there will always be things that are out of our control it can be our jobs traffic the current pandemic and those kids that obviously got their attitudes from their dads. <laughs> but one thing remains the same and that is God will never abandon you. He is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. The same God that carried us through 2020 is the same God here in 2021 and will be the same God there in 2022. He is faithful and loving and will continue to provide for us no matter what. And God's plan may not be our plan, but it is the perfect plan. My second point for you today is you have to stop stressing to start receiving the blessings. Not once in the Bible does it say stress about it, worry about it, just figure it out on your own. God wants us to reveal our problems to him so that he can deal with them. We weren't meant to deal with our problems on our own. Once we have placed our issues in God's core, we can rest assured that everything will happen in his timing. And it's then that we begin to start receiving the blessing that God has in store for us. And I don't know about y'all, but I have tried to fix things on my own and it does not turn out well, anytime. I've looked for answers in all the wrong places and never once did it make any of my stress and anxiety go away. But do you know what did? When I came back to the Lord, And he opened his arms up and embraced me as his daughter. When I poured my heart out to him, that is when the true healing began. God can turn the messes that we've created into beautiful blessings if we allow him to do so. My third point for you today is refocus your perspective. I know that there have been so many stressful situations that I've been in that could have been avoided if I just would have had the right perspective. I see some problems as roadblocks when I need to see, see them as opportunities to trust God and watch him do incredible things in my life. The enemy will do whatever he can to distance us from God, and he uses stress and anxiety as footholds in our lives. But today, let's make Satan mad. Let's show him our battle scars and proclaim that we serve a mighty God. We know that no matter what the situation may be, we are not gonna give up because this battle has already been won. (laughs) Isaiah 41, 13 says, "'For I hold you by your right hand, I, the Lord your God, "'and I say to you, don't be afraid. "'I am here to help you.'" God has helped you before and that's not gonna change. There is nothing that will get in the way of God being there to take care of his children. Understanding this and focusing on prayer and worship when times get tough means that we will worry and stress less. So my prayer today is that anyone battling with stress and anxiety, release that to God. Let him handle it. Surrender your burdens and watch God turn your messes into blessings. Thank you.
5: Well, good morning, Propel. My name is Darren Zook. What's going on? And I have uh, just been blessed incredibly by God. I've got an awesome wife, Cassandra. I've got two beautiful kids, Carter and Charlotte, who, if you haven't met them, they're a ton of fun. Hayden knows Carter's really competitive when it comes to uh, Mario Kart. But um, I get to serve here at Propel as our production coordinator. And what that means is I lead a team that's largely behind the scenes. And if we all do our jobs right, you don't know we're here, really, at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, this morning we're talking about what God has taught us this year. And as I thought back over the course of this year, I couldn't help but feel like it's really been the last 20 months, 22 months. Can anybody else feel that too? Like, it just all runs together. We've, I think the pandemic has just erased our sense of time to some degree. I went from being a sales guy who was in a plane or on the road or in front of customers and with my colleagues every day to now being somebody who sits behind my desk and my only interaction with customers and colleagues is over a Zoom call. And if I'm really honest, the mundane, you know, those, those day-to-day tasks, the daily grind, it's just caught up with me. I, I go from meeting to meeting. There's so many repetitive tasks. I answer a lot of the same questions over and over again. Maybe you can relate to this, right? There's, you know, uh, looming restructuring or, um, you know, annual layoffs that just kind of wear on you over time. And I think it worried on me a lot this year. And there've been days where I struggled with a sense of purpose and immediately started searching myself for, okay, what's next? And that was unfortunate because I wasn't listening for what God was telling me in the moment. And what God told me in the moment is to stay the course, that there's more to do. So this year, God taught me to enjoy the journey. I don't need to know what comes next. I don't have to have a plan for everything. And no matter what our vocation might be, God has called each and every one of us to where we are for a purpose, for this moment in time. You're a purpose for why you're sitting in this room today. We may not have reached the goals that we set for this stage in life or for this point in our career. Maybe we haven't achieved the milestone that we have set up in the master plan, but that doesn't mean God can't use us where we are. The first point I have for you this morning is that God has a divine purpose for you. Paul writes in Ephesians, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared ahead of time for us to do. You're his workmanship. Think on that, his workmanship. He created you for this moment. He has a purpose for where you are. Maybe you've hit that point in your job where you just feel stuck and you're lacking a sense of fulfillment or maybe you don't feel like you have purpose, but there's a reason you are where you are. Listen to me when I tell you, and I speak this to somebody in the room right now, it's not what you do that defines you, it's who you are defined by. Rest in the comfort of knowing that he holds the plan for your life and that things happen for his purpose, not yours. Our ways are not going to be his ways. The second point I have for you this morning is that the mundane matters to Jesus. We all have mundane work that's got to be done, but consider something with me a minute. You look throughout scripture. Jesus did a lot of things that we may, or yeah, that we may consider mundane himself. He's, he spent 30 years as a carpenter. Carpenters in this room will tell you there's a lot of mundane tasks that go into carpentry. He prepared meals for those under his care. He washed his disciples' feet. He spent time with children. He also asked people to do mundane things. He asked servants at a wedding to fill uh, jars with hundreds of gallons of water when he could, just turn them into wine on the spot. He asked the disciples to go and see how many loaves they had when he was about to feed 5,000 people, and he already knew the answer. I'm not that special. If Jesus could do mundane tasks, what makes me any different? My last point for you is that you're chosen for this. God has specifically placed you where you are to impact the people around you. John fifteen sixteen, Jesus is talking about service. And he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in the name of the Father will give to you. Or in my name, the Father will give to you. Remember, you, you are not where you are by accident. You're where you are on purpose. And in my job, I can tell you, God gives me the ability to reflect him in how I speak and how I act, in what I do and how I conduct myself. And I think God does the same for a lot of you. As believers, we have an opportunity to bear fruit and mirror the likeness of Christ. Our journeys may not, or I should say, our journeys are not all gonna look the same, but God may be calling you to enjoy your journey too. You may not see what he's trying to teach you yet, but you better believe that he wants to use you in it.
6: Thanks. Hey, good morning. My name is Kira Marlow and I have the honor to serve as the social media coordinator here at Propel Church. And what that fancy name means is that I hide in the background on our church social media and I talk to myself on our Facebook page. Just conversations with myself. So comment on the post, please. (laughs) This year, God has taught me that forgiveness is a huge part of life and healing. I thought that in previous years that I had learned this, I thought it was something that I struggled with like year after year and I'd finally broke through years ago the ability to forgive. When bad things happen to you and you're used to them from such a young age, it can get really easy to feel like forgiveness will never come even when you say you're working on it. But hey, I worked through it, I thought. I read the freedom book, I did the group, and I even referenced it occasionally. But I didn't do much real forgiving. I just mostly did it on paper, even though forgiveness is like layers of an onion, it, I wasn't really getting through them. And James 1.22 says, "'But be doers of the word and not hearers only, "'deceiving yourselves.'" I was just going through the motions of forgiveness and making it look like it. I was trying to convince myself that I had actually done the forgiving. I was just like the whitewashed tombs mentioned in Matthew 23, beautiful on the outside but on the inside full of bones and impurity. Forgiveness is so essential in healing and in growing. And I sometimes think that the things that have been done to me can't be forgiven. I wonder why someone would put another person through the things that I've been put through and then expect to just be forgiven. It weighs on me heavily and it made me end up holding grudges so easily. It could be anything, I'm talking a mean comment said sitting in the history class in the seventh grade that I think about every day or a broken family life full of addiction that I try my best to unlearn in my own life. I think holding in that forgiveness for me has caused things in my life to be affected in a way where I almost turn into the things that I'm not forgiving. The mean comments, the addictions, everything has become present in my own life because of this inability to forgive the fear of forgiving people so that they can just and have their cake and eat it too, it just kept me paralyzed in all this unforgiveness. Especially when everyone in the world keeps telling you that you don't have to forgive to be happy and that people don't deserve your forgiveness. I was reading a post on Instagram that said just that when God spoke to me about this. God did not have to forgive us he chose to let me just repeat what I said because that's so important God did not have to forgive us but he chose to my sins may not have been as intense in my eyes as the ones that I had been put through but all sins are equal in God's eyes and he chose to forgive me he paid the ultimate price just for me to be forgiven And there's so many verses in the Bible about forgiving others so that God can forgive us. And it isn't easy to forgive, but God chose to do it for us. I've always been the type to struggle with forgiving people multiple times for doing the same thing over and over again, because it feels like I'm forgiving just for them to go out and do the wrong thing again. Like, I'm putting in all the work of the forgiveness with no payoff. But isn't that what God does, or what we do to God? We come in on Sunday full of life and excitement for church and for God, and we dedicate this week to being fully for Him. And then Monday rolls around, and the dog threw up on the carpet. You stepped in it, and you ran out of gas on your way to work. And by now, you have completely forgotten all about what you plan to do for this week for God. You slipped up, and suddenly it is Saturday night, and you realize that your Bible is sitting in the same exact place that it was when you came home from church on Sunday afternoon. You haven't spent a single dedicated moment with him like you said you would, but he forgives us. Time and time again, we are supposed to forgive like that. It says in Matthew eighteen twenty-one through 22, then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. I think about this verse and I realize it's not all about the number count because if you can count how many times you've forgiven someone for something, then you haven't even done any real forgiveness. I struggle so much with forgiveness and I am getting better now that I know just how important it is for me to heal, but it is still hard, even when you are surrounded by all the people that care to help you grow. Forgiveness is a challenge, but I am so thankful for the ways that God has opened my eyes to it in the past 12 months.
0: Come on, come on. That's the good stuff. Well, hey, I know Pastor Nick mentioned in Propel TV that there's five communicators, so just consider me your Christmas bonus, okay? So, (laughs) well, man, my name is Noah Black, and I have the privilege of serving here on staff as our worship director, and it's it's such a privilege. All jokes aside, it's a privilege to be able to be here and be able to communicate with you today. And so, I want to get real open and honest with you guys. Somebody say, "Get get real with me. All right, come on, 10:30, we're gonna wake up. Somebody say, get real with me. All right, come on. Well, hey, I want to talk to you guys about how this year God has taught me how he can handle my doubt. And so we're going to be reading in John chapter 20. And just to give you some backstory in this, you see Jesus had been put to death and then had been resurrected and appeared to some of the disciples. And so some of the disciples are running back to tell the rest of them that they had just seen Jesus. It picks up in verse 24. It says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. And so if you read earlier in John or pretty much in any of the other gospels, you see time and time again, Jesus tells the disciples, hey, I'm going to die and then I'm going to be resurrected and, and, and all this great stuff. He tells them this time and time again. And you would think the disciples, they walked with Jesus, they did live with Jesus, they saw Jesus spit in a blind man's eyes, and he saw again, they saw him raise a dead man back to life. You would think that they would believe him, but yet whenever it comes down to it and Jesus dies, they lose all hope, lose everything. And for many of us, that may, we may read that and we think, man, that sounds ridiculous. You guys were with Jesus all the time. What the heck? And it shows us this, that what doubt can do, what doubt did in the disciples' minds and what it can do in our own lives my first point, the doubt leads to forgetting God's promises. I think if you and I were honest with each other for a moment, there may be times in our lives that we can think back on where God had provided exactly whenever it was needed or God did the impossible and worked in this way or did this thing. And But yet, whenever it comes to present day, we question him. When it comes to present day, we question God, why aren't you doing this the way that I would want you to? It's because that's what doubt does. Doubt clouds our minds from remembering what he's already done in the past. I think if we keep reading, we'll pick up on a powerful thing. We see in verse 26, it says, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, check this out. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And so you see Jesus do two really powerful things. You see, one, he doesn't come to Thomas saying you're ridiculous. I can't believe you. He doesn't approach him with anger of like I told you this this whole time. Why would you doubt? He approaches him in the middle of his doubt. He says, Hey, you know what? You doubt. That's cool. Look at the nails. Look at the nail scars in my hands. Feel the wound in my side. That's how Jesus approaches us, and that, man, that's an incredible depiction of salvation. Sometimes we feel like we have to dress ourselves up, and we have to fix ourselves before we can come to Jesus, whenever Jesus will just meet us right where we are. It's a really powerful thing, but then the second thing he does is he says, he follows up with, don't be faithless any longer, believe. So what he's saying is, Thomas, it's okay for you to have doubt, you just can't live there. And that's what he's telling you today, that you can have doubt, you can have fear, you can have anxiety, but you can't live there. Which brings me to my second point, is that your doubt is real, but it doesn't have to stay your reality. You don't have to live in a mentality of doubt and question and fear. And man, if I can get real honest with you, somebody say get real with me. This year's been a challenge for me. Man, you may see I I come on week after week after week and stand on this stage and I have the privilege to be able to lead and worship and just have that incredible time with Jesus and joining with you all and singing his praises. And it's an incredible blessing, but man, there's times where it's just tough. There's times where I go throughout my week and I'm like, God, man, do do you even listen to me? When I pray, does it go past this ceiling? Like whenever I'm going through this struggle, do you even care? Are you just kind of off at the sidelines, just kind of like laughing and just hoping I figure it out? I'm gonna get real vulnerable with you. There's times this year where I've questioned if God even exists. And man, the guilt and the shame that the enemy can make me feel in those moments. I cannot express in words. And I think there's moments where you may can relate where there's just something that just, it just holds you back. That guilt and that shame is just like, God doesn't want anything to do with me. God doesn't wanna talk to me if I think like this. And it couldn't be further from the truth. I found that in my moments of my greatest doubts, if I would just cry out to God, not some super spiritual thing, but I would just say, God, I, I don't even know if you're real right now. When I do that, man, I tell you time and time again, every single time he has come through and wrapped his arms around me, he has filled me with peace when I needed it. He has filled me with clarity when I needed it. And all I did, I didn't say, God, give me all the answers. I just said, God, here's where I'm at. He has come through every single time and it's given me this confidence and this reminder and I think that he wants to tell you this today. This leads me to my last point that when doubt tries to handle you, remember God's hand is over you. Whenever fear tries to just cripple you, that his peace that surpasses all understanding can fulfill you and sustain you. When addiction has a grip on you and you feel like there's no way out, that he can break that chain, that he can remove it. Whenever you're struggling with just the day-to-day, the mundane, the competitiveness, the doubt, the fear, the whatever, that he can fulfill exactly what your needs are. When the enemy tries to take his grip over you, you remind the enemy that God's hand is over you. John 20, verse 29. As I close, it says this. Then Jesus told them, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So in moments of doubt, we see that the disciples, they walked with Jesus, yet they still doubted him. And for us, we can't see tangibly, we can't see Jesus. But man, in those moments where we we question and we doubt, we have concerns. God's okay that you doubt. He doesn't hate you because you have doubts. But he wants to be there with you in them. So let that be the reminder and the prayer over your heart today. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I wanna encourage each and every one of you first. But if you have doubts, if you've heard some of these, these incredible testimonies from some amazing communicators today that you relate with, let today be the day that you lay that down Man, don't walk into 2022 carrying issues from 2021 or 2020 or however long. That today is the day that we're going to find victory. We're believing it, proclaiming it. But additionally, if you're here today, you're like, man, I hear all these great stories. I hear about people having a great relationship with Jesus, but man, I don't even have that relationship with Jesus. Man, God wants to approach you like he did with Thomas. He doesn't want you to fix yourself up and then come to him. He wants to meet you right where you are. So once again, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, don't want to embarrass anybody. We're not going to make you come up to the front or anything like that. But just for a moment, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, if you just lift your hand really quick. And then church, we're going to pray this prayer. Nobody prays alone. If you'd like to make a decision for Jesus, repeat this prayer after me. So dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www.propelchurchs/hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at Propel. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope
2: to see you again soon.